This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Well, my name is Mo, one of the pastors here. And uh, just want to say hi to all those watching online as well. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for spending time with us and dialing us up uh, at conduitchurch.com. We are glad that you would choose to join us, even though you're not in this room, you're with us today. And that includes Darren and Shannon. Maybe everybody turn around and look at the camera on the far left and you wave hi to Darren and Shannon today. Okay, so they are spending time with their daughter, Ashley, in uh, Charleston, South Carolina for a long weekend. And so, um, so I have the privilege and the honor of teaching and speaking today. And many of you I know, there's a lot in this room that I don't know. So I want to kind of introduce my family in case we haven't met before. Again, my, la- my name is Mo Tiemann, and my last name is pronounced Tiemann, by the way. We've got a little bit of uh, confusion on that. I don't know why. I've been, been here for a while. Tiemann. That's how you say the last name. And uh, my beautiful wife is here this morning, of course. We've been married together for 21 years as of last, uh, last month. And, uh, and we have two boys, Micah and Gabe. Micah's 20 years old. Gabe's 19. Micah's actually serving over in the big room with Joey and Conduit Kids this morning. Gabe is actually running the camera this morning as well. And I just love the fact that our family gets to serve together. And then also, it's been a big summer for us because Micah got married to his beautiful bride, Lauren, who we love and adore. And, uh, and then, of course, don't forget Rama. Rama's in the picture, literally, with Gabe. She's Gabe's sweetheart. She's been hanging out quite a bit. And it looks like things are going pretty well. I'll leave it at that. They're two years in. Things are going great. No pressure, son. No pressure. Don't screw it up. She's great. Um, But between a wedding earlier this summer and completing this building, it has been a summer to remember uh, for sure for us. And if I'm being honest, I could really use a nap. Um, It's just been an exhausting few months. Um, But it's been great. Some amazing things happening in 2021, including uh, including this sermon series, The Essential Church. And we have put kind of our flag in the ground as to what we believe as a church. And going from um, the, the, what we call the old building uh, to the new, we wanted to make sure that we made it very clear where we stand as a church. And knowing that there's a lot of new faces, we're scaling a bit here, and we wanted to make sure that, that you knew what an essential church looks like because it's being defined, essential is being defined several different ways in the culture. But we wanna make sure that you understand what an essential church is and why the church is essential. And we kind of leaned into this idea actually back in June. It was our last service in the old building and I had the chance to speak as well. And we just talked about how the devotion of those that have gone before us have led to the blessing that we have today in, in using this property and how we honored the past for that. And then how is incumbent upon us now to, to be devoted uh, now, how today's devotion leads to tomorrow's blessings for our children and our children's children. This is not just about us, but this is a generation's worth of devotion. 
And I think of a room full of kids that are over there right now. There's probably, I don't know, a room full of kids that Joey is pouring into, that Aj and her leaders are teaching right now. And that is the future of Conduit Church. The next pastor of this church could literally be in that room over there. And what an honor it is for us to be devoted to these things so that we can protect what we have here. And so over the past few weeks, we have dove into Acts 2.42. If you've got your Bible with you, Acts 2.42 through 47 is kind of where we've been. But in Acts 2.42, it specifically lays out the four devotions, right? They were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to fellowship and communion and the breaking of bread. But we wanted to make sure that it was super important that you understood that our devotion is to the teaching of the Word of God, that upholding biblical truth is foundational to who we are as conduit, that we would not veer from that, that we would not uh, make things up or interpret things differently uh, just because time has gone on or time has changed. Know that we would revert back to the word of God as a foundation to who we are as conduit, the teaching of the word. And then, of course, we learned about fellowship, or koinonia, partnering together, gathering together, and how when we gather together, amazing things happen. Some incredible things happen. Generosity happens, not only just um, financially, but emotionally, physically. We're able to support one another in incredible ways. And we've seen that play out over the past year. And of course, communion, which we participated in today. Communion is an essential part in in a specific devotion that the church should have. And I'm thankful that we do have. And it calls us to remember. We are to remember the sacrifice. We are to remember why we are here. Why would we even gather today? but for the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus. And we take time to remember that through communion. And then prayer, as we learned last week, Darren taught us that prayer uh, prioritizes our heart, it positions our heart, it strengthens our heart. It's a bit of like spiritual cardio for our hearts. That when we do pray, that we are in tune with the Lord and we can hear clearly what he has to say. It's important, it's an essential devotion and it's an essential part of our church. And so for the past few weeks, we've gone over each one of those. And and I kind of want to put a period on the end of the sentence of this series by just going through verse 47 specifically. So if you do have your Bibles, I want to read verse 46 into verse 47 of Acts chapter 2. Okay. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. We talked about generosity. In verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, having favor with all the people. And the word favor there really just means grace, that they would show one another grace, that when we would gather together, when this church would gather together, they were extending favor and grace to one another. It could be even maybe better defined as giving each other the benefit of the doubt, thinking the best of one another. And aren't relationships just a lot better when we do that? when we give each other the benefit of the doubt, when we assume the best in one another. I think of even when Chick-fil-A, when they get my order wrong and I open it up and it's a grilled market salad and a Diet Coke, I think, you know, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. I probably ordered that wrong or they've heard from the Lord and I need to be having a grilled market salad and a Diet Coke. (laughs) Giving them the benefit of the doubt. I would challenge you to try it this week. It's something that that I've actually personally challenged myself over the past several months for this year is to, to extend favor and grace 
and the benefit of the doubt in all my relationships, starting those closest to me. It is so easy for us to assume the worst. Why is that? Why is it so easy for us to just assume the worst in someone? We should show the same grace and favor and the benefit of the doubt when we gather together as one another, we fellowship with one another. The last part of that verse says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And saved here uh, really is defined principally as God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin and of death. That word saved refers to a rescue, a, almost a divine rescue of your soul. They were being saved. Saved from what? Saved from the power of sin, the power of death. None of us came into this world without it. And so because of that sin that leads to death, we needed to be redeemed. And God sent his son to do that as a sacrifice. And of course, I think of the verse that we all grew up knowing or learning or we've seen or we've heard or maybe we saw it on uh, a plaque or a beautiful painting in grandma's house. John three sixteen. We all know the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should perish but have everlasting life. I almost said believeth. King James Version came out. That verse uh, is one of the first verses I've ever learned. I mean, it, I grew up in the church. I've been coming to church every Sunday since I was probably four years old when I would sit on my dad's lap as he would drive a Sunday school bus to pick up kids and bring them to church. That verse was, uh, I've learned that at a very young age. And when you, when you learn things like that at a young age and you hear it over and over and over and over again, it becomes, it kind of loses its, its flavor. It just becomes something you just memorize and, and just muscle memory. And so many times I like to go back in the scripture and look at different translations or in this case, a paraphrase that Eugene Peterson wrote. And he says this, and it gives, a, gives fresh eyes to it. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted, and that is good news. There's a divine rescue of your soul and they added, the Lord, it said the Lord added to them many, many, many numbers that were saved. You have to understand the context. They had just lived with Jesus. He was a part of them. He's crucified and he's resurrected and word's getting out that this has just happened. And folks were being saved. Their souls were being rescued. They believed. They, they, they knew that this was the Messiah. They believed. They were saved. And while there is a, a divine rescue of the soul, um, there's also a physical rescue happening as well. And I want to kind of describe it this way. Have any of you ever been to an American embassy? Been to an American embassy? Yeah, me neither. Um, but I've read a lot about them. And they're very interesting. If you've been to one, you understand. It is Amer it's an American soil in a foreign country. It is, it is not uh, owned or governed by the country it's in. It's owned and gov governed by the country it's from. So if I'm in Honduras with Rhonda and something goes haywire or I need paperwork or whatever it is, if I go to the American embassy, all the, all the rules, laws, benefits of being an American citizen reside in the embassy. 
the homeland. And this is true for the church. The church is heaven's embassy. Dr. Tony Evans describes it this way. He says, the church is God's embassy to bring the values of the homeland into foreign territory. We are in foreign territory. This is not our home, praise God. It says that those that believe, that we are reminded that our citizenship is not, that our citizenship is in heaven. Paul writes about this often. Our citizenship is no longer here. Our passports have been stamped with a new homeland. We are in foreign territory by being here on earth, but our hearts are in heaven, in the homeland, governed by a king that we would honor and serve. Colossians 1.13 says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We have been transferred to the kingdom of his son. And it's in that context that it just reminds us that the whole point of the church that it represents heaven in history, that this embassy, that us gathering together is a bit of the homeland. This is a slice of heaven that we would ask the Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that when we gather and we devote ourselves to these things, that this is the homeland. It's a safe place where folks are being rescued, both in their soul and physically being rescued. We're gonna talk about what that looks like in a second. What an amazing opportunity and a reminder that, again, this is not our home. Our citizenship is elsewhere. Thank goodness. So what does this look like? Well, what it shouldn't look like is the culture. I think one of the problems we see today is the church begins to look and operate more like the culture than it does the kingdom. The lines have been blurred. And it's... it's innate in us, in our flesh, to want to be drawn back to foreign territory when we're not devoted to the word, when we're not devoted to fellowship, when we're not devoted to communion and prayer, the flesh in us brings us back to the culture and to carnal and to the flesh. There's this pull. But when we're led by the spirit, we're reminded that we are to serve the kingdom and not the culture. And I'm so thankful for a church that remembers that and is reminded of that. Matthew 25, starting in verse 34. He describes what this should look like. What should a church look like that is devoted to the kingdom, to kingdom work? It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying or asking, Lord, when did, you, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, verse 40, and the king will answer saying, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. As ambassadors of the kingdom, what's the point of that? It's to serve the least of these. We are about our father's business. 
And being about our father's business looks a lot like serving the least of these. And I love that this church, that that's the heartbeat of this church, whether it's 3,000 miles across the world or three houses down on your street, that we're serving the least of these, those that need Jesus. This sounds a lot like conduit, honestly. Here's some description that I wrote. It says, it's sharing the good news of the gospel in our homes and with our children. We go to the hard places around the world, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, water for the thirsty, freedom from slavery, freedom from addiction, loving the lonely, healing the sick. We rescue, deliver, and protect those in the community in front of us and to the world around us, bringing the love of the king into enemy territory for a rescue. The great rescue is upon us. And if you are not reminded of that, I'm asking you to be reminded that you are on a rescue mission as a child of God. This world is not our own. We are in foreign territory where there is a battle raging for souls and for your heart that we would be redirected through these four devotions. We would be redirected to kingdom work. We would be devoted to those things. Darren uh, shared this past week on his socials uh, what I called, I, I told him it was a bit of a, a manifesto. Uh, he said that was a little too strong. Um, but a declaration, as it were. He wrote out a little declaration, just kind of sharing his heart, kind of where we are as a church, in the community even. And to be honest, you know, this past 12 months hasn't, haven't been easy in making decisions, running a church, figuring things out in the middle of a pandemic. It's complicated. Everybody has an opinion. Um, even other churches have opinions on how this all should go. But we made a pretty, uh, a pretty big statement from the beginning that we were going to be an active, essential church, that we were not just going to roll over and just wait to be told what to do. We were going to put our flag in the ground to continue to do kingdom work. And so this was, we were kind of on the one-year anniversary of kind of making some of those decisions. And so Darren shared this on his socials this past week. You may have seen it or read it. But I wanted to read it to you today. I don't have it to put behind me, so just listen to my voice here. He says this, we reopened our doors to Conduit Church 13 months ago. At the time, it was seen as controversial. Others were staying closed because they loved their neighbors or required masks because they loved their neighbors. The implication being that we didn't love our neighbors by reopening without restrictions. When Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, he was answering the question, who is my neighbor? It was asked by a religious leader who was trying to justify himself. The leader was trying to limit the definition of neighbor. He wanted to make it smaller, but Jesus actually expanded the definition of neighbor. And every Sunday since June 2020, the Conduit family has loved our neighbors in Asia, in Africa, Central America, the Caribbean, as well as here in the United States. We offered an hour of normal every week for children who were being masked and isolated and demoralized. We offered an opportunity for those struggling with mental health to experience love and to learn to love again. We gave a space for those who medically were unable to wear a mask to have a place where they weren't yelled at or kicked out. And those conduits who were judged for being selfish and dangerous gave away well over $1 million to feed the hungry, free the captives, build schools, drill wells, and so much more. The children in this photo are former slaves of brick kilns who for the first time in their lives have a school that was funded by radically generous conduits. The conduits weren't selfish, they were courageous, they were loving, 
their neighbors. This is a picture that's from East Asia of those that have been freed, that were rescued from brick kilns. Because of our gathering, because of your generosity, all of these families have been freed and now know the love of Christ. It is something that we shouldn't take lightly for a second. They had actual physical debt. Like they owed money. They couldn't pay for themselves. They were owned by slave owners, required to do work, making bricks for 14 to 18 hours a day. Some of them children have a debt that they cannot pay on their own. And if they can't pay it, it gets passed down to their children. And it's generational slavery and generational bondage. Because of our gathering, again, this is just one example of an essential church, but because of our gathering and your generosity, we were able to use our fellowship, our koinonia, and send that to them to free them, eliminate the debt, and then share the good news of the gospel to where they completely and totally would understand the analogy of their debt being forgiven, their sin debt being forgiven, and now are free, completely free, Physically, spiritually, their souls have been saved. And this church, or these people right here, have now started their own church. They are an up and operating church of believers that are gathering every week, sharing the gospel. You can't tell me that they don't think that this is essential. That an essential church is an active church. There's work to be done. There should be a sense of urgency about us that can't be stopped. And it's all, we, under, we understand the, the guidelines, we understand reasons to be sensible, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about running to the heart of a king at all times and not to the culture. Another example, this just came in yesterday. This is a, an email in some broken English from Pastor Moses in Uganda. Sends this over yesterday. And there's some pictures here on the screen that show your generosity, your koinonia over these past two weeks when we raised money for disaster relief to feed some people that literally can't get food because they're locked down right now. They're not allowed to meet. There's no places to go get food. They don't have refrigerators. But we wanted to do something about that because there's, this is an embassy. The church is an embassy. And so the rules of the homeland and of the king apply to them as well, Right? They are the least of these. They are to be clothed and fed and given water. And so we did that. You did that. And these are families that are, have food and water, water and shelter that wouldn't have otherwise. And Pastor Moses on the ground sent this email last night, says this. He says, we thank you for all the food relief that you have sent to us. It has done a great work to us and our community at large. Providing this food helped us to reach the needy in our community, the old people, the young people, the orphans, the widow, and our church members also benefited who had no food, including our teachers who are also benefiting from this support. This has helped so much that the word of God was easily spread into the community because it is the word of action and truth. We have practically preached God's word because you have supported us. We thank you for this support in helping our community overcome illiteracy. It supports our teachers for their basic needs and survival. 
We are so blessed as we bless you in Jesus' name, Pastor Moses. He gets it. Like he's talking about action. There's things to be done for the kingdom. We're teaching them, they are teaching them literacy so they can actually read the, the Bibles that have been sent over. They are learning all there is to know about the gospel and the truth. They've never heard it before. These villages, some have never even had clean water before. But because of the generosity of Conduit Church, we have built, we have dug, I forget how many wells. I want to say 14 wells over the past seven years. Fresh water for the first time. And if somebody can drink a glass of fresh water for the first time, they are able to listen to the good news of the gospel fairly easily. We found out that one, there's another church that built a well uh, down the road. It was actually a, a Muslim church. They built, dug a well. They're selling their water to the community. They're selling it. But they hear what's happening at the Christian churches, how they're giving the water away free, and then we get to tell the story about living water. It's an incredible thing that's happening. They added to the number that were being saved day after day after day, whether it is spiritual souls or physical souls. They're being saved, and it's a direct result of this essential church being an active church. And this, uh, this sermon series for us is, is more than just a sermon series, to be honest. Um, this is a conduit creed. This is how we will make decisions on how we operate as a church, that when we are devoted to these four things, that it is foundational to who we are, that we would not stray towards culture or stray towards carnal, but we would stay focused to the kingdom using the guardrails that has been clearly laid out for the early church in Acts 2.42. This is more than just a teaching series. This is who we are. This is who you are. You guys have, you know, I realize I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because you're here and you have given generously to all of these things. But as we grow and as we scale and as we continue to get larger, we've got some needs and some needs are already kicking in. And if you're looking for a way to serve at the embassy, you're looking for, uh, we're looking for some new ambassadors and some delegates to be reassigned. <laughs> and a couple of which would be into our littles, our toddlers in pre-K. Aj would be thrilled to know that I'm talking about this right now, to know that she needs volunteers to help fill slots. We're looking for maybe one Sunday a month. If we get enough folks, maybe one Sunday every couple of months to hold some babies. And it's more than just holding babies. It's teaching them the truth of the gospel. Bible verses, maybe John three sixteen. They'll learn that at four years old and they'll remember it when they're 40. We're looking for uh, volunteers to even help with our conduit kids. Joey, he has, um, I don't know if you've noticed or if you've been over to that side of the room, but there are kids everywhere. You all have a lot of kids. You've been busy. There's more on the way. But even starting tomorrow, he's running a vacation Bible school. He actually told me not to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. He's got 150 kids registered for vacation Bible school already, which is unbelievable. Now, he did say, like, please don't, like, if you haven't registered, sorry you missed it. But if you really want to go, we'll make some exceptions. But that room's going to be full of kids learning the truth of the gospel, learning the truth of scripture, learning these four devotions, 
And we could use some leaders to help with that. I know Joey's scrambling to kind of find some helpers for VBS and, and, and just even past VBS for even every Sunday, we're looking for folks to help teach and lead young kids. And I think of our youth group as well. We have a, a growing youth group. Right now, there's about 25 high schoolers down in the basement in a small group setting learning about the word of God. On a Sunday at 11 o'clock, they want to be there. And on Wednesday, when they gather, we have about 100 teenagers gathering together to learn about the Word of God. That's exciting, but we need help. We need some delegates as part of the embassy to help teach and lead. So whether it's there, any one of those spots, or in the parking lot, even our parking lot pastor, (laughs) I know that's not your official title, but it's fun to say. We could use help in the parking lot. We could use help security. We could use help with coffee. I said it. I said I wouldn't say it, but I just said it. We're having coffee starting next week. I've been told it's part of the essential church. I don't believe it, but we're going to have coffee starting next week. And we're going to need help with that. These things don't happen by themselves. They don't. And if that's you, would you just take the little connect card that's in front of you? We're going to use it for other reasons today. Just pull that card out. Write your name and your number and your email address or a way for us to reach you. And just write serve real big across the bottom. And put it in one of these uh, giving boxes in the back or at the welcome table. Hand it to James when you leave. Just write serve at the bottom. And we'll follow up with you and we'll, we'll get you through the process of what it can look like to be a part of serving the kingdom in this way. And also, perhaps today is one of the first, not one of the first times, but maybe today you needed to hear that you are forgiven and you are redeemed. You've been putting this off for a long time and been trying to do it on your own. You, sh- you just need to know that the Lord loves you and he forgives you and he welcomes you into the family. You are grafted into the family. You are adopted into the family and your citizenship is no longer of this world, but of heaven, everlasting life. And if you need to know that, you need to hear that today, would you just write it on that card? Write your name and then write saved. As, he, as we added to the number daily of those that were saved. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you just have questions. Come find me. Come find James. Come find David. Anyone in this room would love to tell you more about their rescue story. So as we stand today, we'd be dismissed. I, I just want to thank you for being an essential church and being essential to the body of conduit. There is something special here. We've said it. We've said it for a while, but we truly believe there's something special here in this body of believers. We want to protect it. We want to continue to grow and serve, but we want to stay devoted to the kingdom through these four things that we've been learning and discussing. But now it's time for us to put it into practice on the daily to make it happen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this place. Thank you for um, just an incredible place to meet and to gather. Lord, thank you for getting us through this project and into this room. Lord, but help us to remind us that this is not for us to just sit comfortably and enjoy, but this is uh, a troop carrier. Lord, then you have an assignment for us from the kingdom into foreign territory and that we are being deployed Lord, put it on our hearts. Would you speak to our hearts this week on how and where we can be deployed as we represent you in a foreign country? Lord, that we would represent you in a way that gives you honor, gives you glory. 
where we are compelled to serve you. This is not an obligation. This is not um, something that we just check a box. Lord, we are, we are compelled to serve you. We are compelled to rescue others because we ourselves have been rescued. Thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for what this place means to so many in the community and the world. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters across the globe. As James mentioned earlier, that can't even gather. They're not allowed to. Lord, I pray for freedom. Lord, that you would just work in the hearts of those, those governments, Lord, that, that they understand that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord, that you are King. And Lord, so as we go, I pray for just a hedge of protection over this church family today. Lord, those that are going through hardships, whether physically or emotionally or relationally, Lord, we just ask for your, uh, your voice and your spirit to guide us. Lord, we pray for healing. Lord, that you would just do some miraculous supernatural things this week, starting today. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, church. Have a great week.